Have you ever noticed that in the movies, when a baby is born, the baby we see on the screen is simply gigantic? You would never believe that a human being that size could come out of its mother. This is a long-standing problem in Hollywood. It's just not practical for any newborn baby to appear in a movie. By the time the family is willing to set their child up as a very young actor, the baby is no longer newborn-sized. So you always have to suspend your disbelief or at least chuckle about how difficult a birth that must have been for the poor mother. At Christmas, Mary gave birth to the biggest baby ever. Not big like Paul Bunyan, not even big like the 10-pound newborn with the surprisingly large head, big like universe-sized in a tiny little package. At Christmas, God came to be with us, and we finally got to put a face to the name. Are you not sure you believe this? Try suspending your disbelief. You're being invited to look at an infant and see the one who created everything that exists. If this is difficult for you, it's no surprise. It's totally okay. But don't take your eyes off the baby just yet. You may find, after some honest reflection, that your God is too small. Your God is too small is the title of a slim, helpful book written 60 years ago by J.B. Phillips. The author spends each chapter investigating a commonly held idea about God. At every turn, he concludes, well, if that's all you think God is, your God is too small. Here are some of the images of God that Phillips debunks. Resident policeman. If you think God is just a big authority figure out to catch you doing wrong and punish you for it, your God is too small. Parental hangover. If you think God is just like your own father or mother writ large, with all the same imperfections as your own parents, your God is too small. Grand old man, if you think God is a dignified bearded gentleman living on a cloud in the sky far away, someone who should be respected, but who probably can't relate to any of your real world problems, your God is too small. Absolute perfection. If you think God is just some vague notion of the ultimate best of everything, something admittedly like a great sea of eternal tapioca pudding, your God is too small, and so on. There are many more, from pale Galilean to perennial grievance, 
to God in a hurry. My favorite too small God is the one Phillips calls meek and mild. And that one is especially relevant tonight, the night when we will turn off all the lights, hold candles, and sing Silent Night together in the dark. I don't want to ruin that favorite of all Christmas hymns for you, but to enhance it. Allow me to quote J.B. Phillips extensively here. Why mild? Of all the epithets that could be applied to Christ, this seems one of appropriate. This word mild is apparently deliberately used who did not hesitate to challenge and expose the hypocrisies of the religious people of his day. A man who had such personality that he walked unscathed through a murderous crowd. A man regarded by the authorities as a public danger. A man who could be moved to violent anger by shameless exploitation or by a smug, complacent orthodoxy. A man of such courage that he deliberately walked to what he knew would be his death despite the earnest pleas of well-meaning friends. Mild? What a strange word to use for a personality whose challenge and strange attractiveness 20 centuries have by no means exhausted. Wow. Can I suggest that tonight we sing instead Holy infant so tender and wild. It would make a lot more sense. I mean, yes, this baby is tender, fresh from his mother Mary's body, vulnerable, subject to all the changes and chances of this world. But no, this tiny baby cannot be contained or controlled by our own tiny assumptions and expectations. We just heard the Christmas story in all its deep familiarity, but familiarity can sometimes make things seem smaller. Like, yeah, I've heard this before. You don't have to tell me again. I've got it. You may even look at baby Jesus and see just one more manifestation of cheery American holiday culture. If so, again, your God is too small. No. Look again at this baby and get curious. Get curious about what you don't yet know or understand. Hold the story of Jesus' birth up against the passage that Don just read to us from the prophet Isaiah. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. Wait, what? What's all this on Christmas Eve about boots and blood and fire? Why don't I know more about this? Ah, there's a lot to learn here about Isaiah and the people of the feuding nations of Israel and Judah and the Assyrian Empire and the broken alliances among nations and what it meant in the face of war for Isaiah to speak prophetically about the birth of a child. 
There's something here for everyone, for people who are interested in history or geopolitics or archaeology or biblical scholarship. Or take what we just heard Elisa read to us from the letter to Titus. He it is who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. Okay, that's a lot. Who was Titus? Who was writing to him? Even that question doesn't have a simple answer. What is iniquity? How does this redeeming thing work? And purify? Purify from what? So many questions. Look at that baby in the manger and get curious. Let no question go unasked, even if your answers must be provisional, even if all your life you never find a satisfying answer. See, this is what the church is for. If we're doing this Christianity thing justice at all, the church should be a place to show up with all our questions, not just questions about church stuff, but about all of life and have them received and honored in a community. We should be able to show up with all our own ideas, good ideas, terrible ideas, tiny and large ideas, and set them alongside something bigger, wilder, far less controlled, yet always more deeply loving. Titus may have received a letter in the mail about how to train to be a better person, But the church is not just a school of virtue where we learn to be good enough for that parental hangover God. And Isaiah, he may have been deeply concerned about the fate of his people in the face of an invading empire, but neither is the church merely a school of action where we rush to build a utopian theocracy to satisfy God in a hurry. Rather, The church is a school of trust where we sit at the feet of Jesus and let him tell us stories, stories that will equip us for everything else in life. The church is not grad school. That's not the kind of school it is where we master a specific field and show off our elite knowledge. No, it's more like preschool. We learn to sit in a circle for just a little while, absorb good stories, sing songs, eat together without hitting the other kids, and then go outside to the big, big world and play with abandon. Hopefully, and most importantly, we learn at this preschool that no matter how we got here or what we have done since, we are loved no matter what. No matter what, no matter what, we learn that this is always true of God. And slowly and haltingly, we learn to make it true for one another as well throughout the world. In contrast to the agendas of empires and viruses and preachers and authors of self-help books, Does this preschool metaphor insult your intelligence? Does it prompt the reply, well, if that's the case, I've got better ways to spend my time. 
If so, I suggest that you ask yourself, really, how well do you trust? When I attempt to trust God, I often find instead that I'm acting a certain way to earn the approval of someone I believe to have power over me. That resident policeman or parental hangover, deep down, I still don't trust in no matter what. Maybe you've got this all figured out. As for me, I'll be doing circle time in preschool every Sunday for the rest of my life. I need to keep looking back into this manger again to see the biggest baby ever because the stories we tell here are so much bigger than we can imagine. At Christmas, God came to be with us, got down on our level, and we finally got to put a face to the name. Suspend your disbelief. Keep looking again at this baby, and then look at the man this baby grew to become. Look at his birth and look at his death. Don't neglect the 30 years in between. And don't neglect the 2,000 years since, nor the presence of this man in your own life and in the world today. Keep your eyes on this one who shows us our creator, the source of all the love we can ever give anyone. In the book, Prince Caspian, Lucy returns to Narnia after a year away and meets once again the great lion Aslan. Aslan, says Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answers he. Not because you are older? I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. <laughs>